On today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, John Garcia Jr., Director of Football Recruiting for Sports Illustrated, joins the show. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Once again, John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting for Sports Illustrated, joining me. Before we get started, I have to ask you one question. John, how excited are you for the 2022 football season? I'm ready. And spring is such a tease, man. We, we get we get all these, these new players and, and new homes and uh, get the freshmen in there. I mean, at Texas, my goodness, Quinn Ewers is, is about to make his debut. Like, I'm just ready for the season. It, it really is a tease this time of year, but it's fun. It's fun because then we get to jump into high school, spring ball, and, and then the off season. So it is it is a long stretch, but it will be well worth it. It should be a, it should be a magical year. I mean, this this is it feels kind of wide open. Like like going into last year, there was this feel like oh this could be anybody's ball game, and I think there's a little bit of that feel again in 2022 where it's like. There's no, there's no de facto, hey, we'll see him in the playoff kind of team. Everybody has question marks, and that's what makes it fun for us. Definitely, definitely. You made a good point there. All right, so let's get into some prospect talk. We'll be talking about some 2023 recruits. We'll be talking about some transfers uh, as well. But, of course, the name we have to start with, arguably the most hyped uh, recruit ever, if not in a long time, Arch Manning, nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning. So we've heard all of these conflicting reports. At first, it was it was between Alabama and Texas, and then it was you no know, Georgia's ahead of Alabama, and then out of nowhere, he takes a visit to the University of Virginia. So just tell us what you can tell us uh, about Arch Manning and the potential of the Longhorns possibly getting Arch Manning to the Forty Acres. Well, there's no team that's as all in on Arch uh, as, as UT is right now. And I think that says a lot. You know, Alabama's got a contingency plan. They're recruiting a few other quarterbacks simultaneously. Georgia, the same way. I mean, Virginia's Virginia. They're just jumping into this thing with a fresh coaching staff. It's you, Could you imagine what that would be like? Uh, you know, the cynic in me kind of hopes that he, that he picked Virginia, but I don't think that's going to happen. But, but Texas – is the one school, Jonathan, that's just all in on Arch. There is no other offer that we're aware of. There are no other quarterbacks that have told me, hey, yeah, Steve Sarkeesian reached out to say hello. None of that is going on. They are sort of all their eggs are in the Arch Manning basket. And I think that is the one thing that, that Texas is standing on at this point versus those other programs. And I think it reflects the confidence that Arch Manning could potentially become a Longhorn. Now, what's critical about this recruitment is that there's no timeline. You know, if it were today, I think they're in a great spot. But this thing, I'm told, could go well into the summer, maybe even into the season. And if there's any recruit that can do that at the quarterback position, which is very rare, by the way. Usually quarterbacks come off the board April and May, well before their senior year starts. They want to help their schools build their classes as the face of the class and all that stuff. If any recruit can do it, it would be Arch Manning. But look, his criteria is a bit different than, than most quarterbacks. You know, he really is looking for that on-field stability and quarterback developmental element that a, a lot of quarterbacks have already either checked boxes with certain schools on, or, you know, they're, they're just waiting to figure it out later this offseason, not so much going into the season. So 
if it is a school like Texas, and there is a question around the potential to get better under Steve Sarkeesian, I kind of think the Manning camp, because this is an entire camp around this kid, I think they want to see that happen. You know, it starts in the spring, but obviously when, when the win and loss columns becomes into play, that's really when, when it counts most uh, for that crew because uh, they've been to campus a bunch. They've met with Sark a bunch. Uh, they, they know the area. All of those things are fine. They want to know the stability and the potential to, to be a longstanding power at a school like Texas. And unfortunately, you can't really find that out until September and October rolls around. So as you said, Jonathan, this is like the most hyped recruit ever, certainly the most hyped football recruit ever. I think I was talking to our, our basketball director earlier, and I was like, who, who are the most hyped basketball recruits? Because, you know, they go pro sooner. It, it makes more sense, right? Obviously, LeBron James after that, like maybe like a Zion Williamson was the most hyped basketball recruit. I think Arch Manning is more hyped than Zion Williamson at the same stage, which is just crazy to consider because he's a quarterback and because in football it takes you that much longer to, to be a professional football player. But that's that's what we're dealing with in covering Arch Manning, and that's why it's so talked about and so polarizing. And then you throw in the kid doesn't talk. The kid does not talk to the media. Uh, so there's no top schools. There's no, yeah, I really like this school. I really don't like this school. None of that is happening, and that's by design from the Manning camp. So it's really fascinating no matter how you look at it, but also no matter how you look at it, Texas is right in the thick of this thing. That's good to hear, and that's great insight. You're just talking about his timeline and the fact that, uh, you know, when people talk about if Texas, Georgia, and Alabama truly are his top three schools, then the clear advantage Georgia and Alabama would have over Texas is the fact that they have a product on the field that's already shown they can compete. Uh, both teams have won national championships in the last two years while Texas is coming off a five and seven season. So it'll be interesting to see how late he pushes his decision and how well or not Texas is able to play and how that affects his decision. Speaking of a quarterback uh, that was in the transfer portal that may help this team uh, improve on the field and ultimately entice Arch Manning to come, Quinn Ewers uh, decided to come back to the University of Texas. He is competing for a starting spot right now with Hudson Card. What can you tell Longhorn fans just about what they're getting in Quinn Ewers? Just raw arm talent. And that's something that, uh, you know, we throw out that word. It's a kind of a buzzword in, in quarterback evaluations. But when you watch Quinn Ewers play in person or on tape, which I have, it really does jump off of his hand a little bit differently. And that was at the high school level. Uh, that's not even factoring in the, uh, I call it an internship that he had at Ohio State. You know, he got paid very well for that internship. But look, that's that's a quarterback room that has been, a professional revolving door up at Ohio State. Uh, and he, he was humbled there as the third or fourth string guy, but he got to sit in on all those quarterback meetings. So I, I think we think of Quinn, we think of the mullet, uh, we think of a great high school career, this rocket right arm. But what we don't think about is, is kind of the forced maturity of skipping a year of, of high school, your senior year of high school, uh, forfeiting the prom, forfeiting all of the potential glory at South Lake Carroll to go up to Columbus, Ohio, and, and be a backup. Um, I think that took uh, a lot out of him. Uh, and we really kind of centered him and re-engaged him into what he really wants long-term. So I, I kind of think it worked out better for Texas uh, in him coming back to the Longhorns as opposed to just sitting at South Lake Carroll last year and then coming in as a true freshman early enrollee in the spring. I think it worked out a lot better. And that's why I think there's a lot more expectation around him potentially being the guy day one here uh, for Sark uh, and this 2022 Longhorn team. But in terms of his ability, uh, he's a good athlete. He's a big physical kid. 
He's finally healthy, which, which we didn't really see him uh, be healthy as a junior at South Lake Carroll. Dealt with like a crazy like rib injury that had to uh, have surgery and all that stuff. So we really haven't seen the full Quinn Ewers uh, healthy, you know, since he was a sophomore, which was his broke out 50 touchdown season at South Lake Carroll. But the right arm is elite. One of the best we've seen in the high school ranks. He's a good athlete. And he's a big, physical, strong kid who, again, has, has that humbling experience last year. And I think it's just kind of touched the right notes for him to be able to, to buy into Texas the right way. Um, and without some of the pressure, everyone looks at it as like, he's got to figure it out now. I don't think so. I think what happened last year to him has made him kind of re, um, redistribute maybe where his priorities are and kind of loosen them up a little bit. And I think when you're the quarterback and you can be that, that loose guy, that fun guy, that's when you start to see a team buy into you, recruiting start to pick up. And, and once you relax, I think you can do your best work on the field. So I do expect big things from Quinn, not because of the pressure, but because now he's kind of recentered back home and he can kind of take his experience and go from there. Great insight there on Quinn Ewers. And we'll see if he's able to secure that starting spot this year for the Texas Longhorns. Quick word from our sponsors. If you're hungry, try Built Bar at Built Bar. They're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, John, the talk of the town at the 40 Acres this week has been a Jai Hall, former Alabama receiver, transferred over to the 40 acres. So what can you potentially tell us about what went wrong at Alabama and what does he bring to this Texas football team? Yeah, well, I can't wait for Texas to play Alabama at this point because I think the storylines kind of write themselves. But look, Ajay was a kid who moved around a lot in high school, three or four high schools uh, before he got to Alabama. And, and, you know, he committed. He told me, he said, look, you know, this is – this is kind of a structured deal. I, I need to, to kind of be centered here. I need to to have somebody like Nick Saban kind of over me a little bit. And what I'm told is that that part of it went well. This wasn't a Saban kicking them off the team kind of thing. That part of it went relatively well. And then we got to the national title game uh, at the end of the season. And all of a sudden, there was a lot of pressure on Jai Hall. He had to step in and, and try to make an impact uh, at the 11th hour against Georgia. And I think after that is when things started to really change because there was an expectation that, okay, you're not a freshman anymore. You played in the Natty and, and it's time to ascend. And I don't know if the timing was, was on the same sense of urgency on a Jai's part. So naturally, uh, you know, a bit of a bonehead mistake suspended for, for team uh, rules violations. And then it led to the transfer portal, which is something that uh, is natural and allowable in the player empowerment era of college football that we're in. And as soon as he hit the portal, you just knew Texas was going to get involved because the coaches he committed to out of high school at Alabama were Steve Sarkeesian and Jeff Banks. Jeff Banks being the area recruiter for, for the Tampa area when, when he was at Alabama. So naturally, that visit gets set in stone very quickly. Uh, and then things accelerate from there. You know, this is this is something that changed while he was on campus. I was, I was texting with some of his his mentors and trainers in the Tampa area. And, and they were saying, you know, Texas is going to be in it, but other schools are calling and, and he's going to set some other visits. Uh, and right before those visits were set, he was done with the process. He was like, I'm, I want to play for these guys again. So I think the fit makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's, it wasn't a total reset for a It was very much a familiar uh, move from Alabama to Texas. 
Uh, and the skill set, you know, makes a lot of sense here. This pass catcher unit for UT should be really strong. He's 6'3". He's over 200 pounds now. He's a bit raw in the polish department, but he's a gazelle, man. And the kid can absolutely run. He's physical. He's competitive. And now he's got a chip on his shoulder. Uh, and, and you have to like that, kind of like we talked about with Quinn Ewers. This is it's kind, of a, it's kind of a reset just in terms of, hey, I need a fresh start, and I can just continue this development. Uh, and then that's what Ajay needs. He needs that stability with Sark and Banks that he knows so well. Um, so where his skill set can absolutely flourish because when he does develop, it's going to be something scary because he's one of the most talented receivers uh, in the country from just a pure raw athleticism standpoint. So I think the fit here makes a ton of sense, especially with what Sark wants to do in, throw, in terms of throwing the football. That's great. That's great. So speaking of another transfer target, Texas' biggest transfer target, it seems, since the offseason started, defensive end O'Shawn Mathis out of TCU. It seems as though his final two schools are Texas and Nebraska. I know he tweeted he'll be making a decision at the end of the month. Can you confirm maybe that his top two schools are Texas and Nebraska? And what do you think are the chances that he ends up on the 40 acres? I think Texas fans should be really excited uh, about Mathis. You know, he's an in-state kid, obviously coming from TCU after their coaching change. I think he took a visit to Texas like right after he announced that he was jumping into the transfer portal. Um, and Nebraska's more of a late player in, in his transfer recruitment. So I, I would feel good about that Texas surge initially. I, I don't know who else is involved at this point, but the sooner he makes the decision, the better, if you're a Texas fan. It is where there is familiarity. He's getting close, I believe, to wrapping up his academics there for the semester at TCU. I mean, we're in April, most most school semesters end in May. So naturally, it, it's a decision window for a lot of transfer prospects. And this is one of the best athletes still available in the transfer portal. And, and we know the need at Texas is just so strong. They've been active in the portal all offseason, really during the season and all offseason. Uh, I would be surprised if he ended up at Nebraska relative to Texas. If someone else jumps in it and, and tries to sneak in a late visit, you know, maybe that could, could stir it up a little bit. But it's, from what I understand, you know, that initial visit to Texas went really well, and his camp wanted something to counter that off of and, and, and try to compare and contrast with after, uh, after visiting the 40 acres. So I, I'd be surprised if he ends up anywhere else at this point, uh, but it's recruiting. So stranger things have happened. Y'all heard that Longhorn fans get excited and start drinking that Kool-Aid. All right. So a couple <laughs> of defensive uh, 2023 commits that Texas may or may not have a good chance to land uh, two impact players, in my opinion, from the North Texas area, Anthony Hill, linebacker out of Denton, and then JV and Toviano, uh, corner out of Arlington, what can you tell Longhorn Nation about those two prospects and how Texas stands with uh, each one of them? Well, yeah, those are those are big time battles, not only in the state of Texas, but nationally. Right. You know, Anthony Hill was, was I believe, down in Miami here recently. He's got some ties uh, to the area. So that could be an interesting uh, national recruitment. Uh, and then, of course, with, with Toviano, LSU, Texas A&M, everybody wants a piece of his game. So I think that one could potentially stretched even longer in terms of uh, from a timeline perspective. I think with Hill, I think the players are a little bit more narrow. You know, I think this is a little bit more of, of a regional battle, uh, but national battle for Toviano, and especially with, with his skill set 
as a defensive back. I think Hill has been to Texas, I mean, four or five, six times at this point. You have to like where you are from a visit standpoint. Um, I'm unsure on his timeline, though. I'm unsure how quickly he wants to begin taking official visits and eventually wrapping up a decision. But Texas is going to stay in the thick of both races uh, for me at this point. I think Hill might be a little bit more likely just because of the players involved for Toviano. But again, it depends on that timeline. Both of them are, are coveted and among the best at their position, not only in Texas, but also nationally. So uh, obviously two guys to keep a very close eye on and two that are very familiar with what Texas can bring to the table. Could be could be kind of like Arch Manning, where you want to kind of get into the season. We don't have a lot of questions about the potential of Texas's offense. We have a lot of questions on the potential of, of Texas's defense. So I think that early start uh, could, could factor into some of the perception around defensive recruits looking at you too. That's really good news because at one point um, it kind of looked like Texas uh, was on the back burner and maybe it was a long shot for Anthony Hill. So your optimism is going to be great for Texas fans. I want to key in on Toviano really quickly because at one point it seemed like he was a lock uh, to come to the University of Texas. And recently it seemed like it's a little more open. I heard that his visit to Texas A&M went really well. Um, You know, they're assembling the Avengers on defense uh, over there in college. (laughs) And so um, do you know if anything happened with Texas there or just just did more schools get involved and, you know, um, he's just enjoying the recruitment process? Do do you know if anything happened there? Because, like I said, at one point it seemed like Toviano to Texas was was almost a done deal. Yeah, I think the proximity, you know, to to Austin was was a big deal for Texas's early surge there. I, I do think, like I said, there are more question marks defensively for UT. And like you said, other schools are really pushing for him. I know LSU went all in on their visit. Every kid who visits Texas A&M is loving uh, what they're selling out in College Station, uh, understandably, given what what they've been able to put together uh, in recruiting over the last couple of cycles. So I think it's just more uh, Toviano being well-traveled, you know, and that's why I'm I'm, I'm curious about his decision timeline. You know, the sooner he does it, I do think the familiarity with Texas will play well, um, but the longer it goes on, the more visits he takes, I think the harder it becomes because there are still question marks at some of those other programs, particularly LSU uh, going through their coaching transition. Um, you know, they haven't been able to land a lot of banner defensive recruits, uh, particularly outside of Louisiana or, or with Louisiana natives like Harold Perkins. So I'm curious to see how, how that opinion goes forward with Toviano because there's a lot more stability at Texas A&M and a lot more familiarity at Texas, particularly earlier in his recruitment. Sounds good. Okay, quick word from our sponsors. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So a really interesting 2023 receiver class, right? And so three, um, there's a bunch, but three receivers I'm going to ask you about. Jaquez Petaway, Jalen Brown, and Jonte Cook all uh, really enjoyed. Jonte Cook's been to Texas a million times. The other two really enjoyed their visits to the University of Texas. What can you tell us about those three receivers? And do you think Texas is in the lead for any of those three? Uh, I, I think if, if Texas was most likely to land one of them. I'd probably go Cook, 
Uh, look, there's, there's a lot of familiarity with, with Texas recruits. Like you said, he's been on campus a billion times, uh, but, he, but he really enjoys you know, playing the game as well. I mean, this is a kid who's extremely well-traveled. Uh, everyone saw the viral stuff about the trophies or, the, or lack thereof at Texas A&M. Uh, and then he went to Bama the next week. So, you know, th- this kid is, you know, I like the brand that he's building. This is this is a smart businessman early uh, in his teens. Uh, but look, Cook likes Texas. Um, and, and the receiver position is one that we literally just saw with Xavier Worthy. You know, you can come right in. You can come right in at Texas and potentially be the guy. Um, and what's interesting about Cook relative to Petway and, and Jalen Brown from down in Miami is that he's really close with a lot of Texans. I mean, he's a Texan himself, obviously. Uh, close. He's close to Ruben Owens, uh, extremely close. He said, you know, don't be surprised if we play together. Owens, of course, a former Texas commitment that the Longhorns are still chasing after. Uh, also close with Arch Manning, which is kind of random, right? Um, they've ended up visiting Texas together, I believe, at least twice. And he told a colleague of ours, Matt Galatson, he said, hey, you know, uh, me and Arch have developed something here, you know? So I think when you start looking at the schools that are recruiting both of them, Texas makes a lot of sense because we don't hear a lot about Giante and Georgia uh, and, and then Bama's Bama, right? They're, they're, they're always in, in the conversation. So really, if they are going to pair together, it could be those two because the other schools looking at Cook, you know, Texas A&M, Oregon, et cetera, aren't really in it for Arch Manning. So if you read into that, you've got to feel good about Texas or Alabama. So I think there's a lot of overlapping elements that make sense for Texas uh, with Jonte Cook. I'm not as familiar with Petway. I haven't got up with him yet. That is certainly on my to-do list. But like you said, he just recently visited Texas, and that is a good thing relative to the position. We talked about all the question marks on defense at UT. None of those exist on offense, uh, especially at the skill positions uh, where, where guys have been able to thrive. The portal has been very good to UT uh, with, with Nayer, with Jai Hall most recently. Uh, so I, I wonder how long they can stay in play for Petway. And then with Jalen Brown, uh, this is another national battle. This, this kid is, is similar to Cook in that he's also a, a very accomplished sprinter uh, on the track and field. And the, the track has taken him away from some spring visits, but now he's starting to pick them back up, right? He's been to LSU. Uh, he's been down to Miami a bunch. Uh, early on, it seemed like Notre Dame was a school to keep an eye on for, for Jalen Brown. But now, like you said, Texas is starting to, to pick up some of that momentum. And, and he's developed a relationship with, with some of these other wide receivers as well. You know, this, this receiver class, is, as this segment, you know, exemplifies, is loaded. I mean, it's a loaded wide receiver class in, in 2023. Jalen Brown is one of the smoothest and fastest wideouts uh, of the bunch, you know, which, which are some of the traits that obviously uh, have thrived in, in the Steve Sarkeesian offense. So I expect Texas to stay in that race. And I'm told it's going to extend longer than we originally thought. You know, I think when Mario Cristobal took over at Miami, there was a lot of Jalen Brown momentum, like, oh man, he might jump on like as the local kid, buck the trend where all these South Floridians were, were leaving. Uh, but now that has slowed down a little bit as he's taken more visits Texas LSU uh, among them. So I, I think the longer it goes, the better for Texas for Jalen Brown. Okay. Good news again for, for Longhorn Nation. Uh, so a tight end who looks like a wide receiver that transferred over from <laughs> Alabama, Jalil Billingsley. And all we've heard throughout the spring is great things in, in Sark's offense. Of course, he's familiar with Sark from his time at Alabama, uh, transferred over as a grad transfer. Just what does he bring to this Texas offense? Somebody that can play the tight end position, but has the build and the movement skills of a wide receiver. 
you know, when, when we watched Billingsley in high school up in Chicago, it was like, what position is he going to play? Because he looked like a receiver built kind of like a running back. And he had that kind of skill set after the catch. I mean, he was just a man amongst boys out there. And then he hit Bama uh, with the ground running. I mean, he was very good early in his career uh, at UA when Sarkeesian and Jeff Banks, of course, were there. Uh, and then he got in Saban's doghouse, which, you know, once you do that, and it was, I was told it had a lot to do with, you know, uh, accountability and his blocking, which is something he's just not known for. Uh, once you do that, really hard to get out of it um, and had some opportunities late last season to kind of climb out of it and did some work there, but, but maybe not all the way out. So you talk about a kid that needed a fresh start so he could reinvigorate that skill set and the buzz around his name and Billingsley. Uh, made a lot of sense for Texas, and that's another recruitment that really didn't last long. Uh, and it's another kid that I, I really want to watch when they line up against Alabama. But, you know, skill set-wise, if you remember, like, what, 12, 18 months ago, people were talking about this draft and Charles Billingsley being like a first-rounder, or Julio, excuse me, being a first-rounder. Uh, that's the type of receiving skill set he has. He's a total – modern day tight end you can line him up outside you can line him up as a wing you can line him up uh, in the backfield he can motion out and really make make things hard on back seven defenders too big for defensive backs too quick for linebackers uh this is the type of prospect that texas needs to counter with all these great wide receivers and all the attention that Bijan robinson commands at running back so uh, i think like i said the, the pass catcher unit at texas has to have fans excited regardless of who wins that quarterback battle. Um, and again, if you look last year, they were doing more with less on the offensive side of the football. So now you bring in experienced talent like this, motivated talent like this, and I think it could change things and change opinions in short order. So that's about as big a pickup in the portal uh, as we saw last year, in my opinion. Wow, John, you dropped so many gems on Longhorn Nation. I know they're going to be grateful when they hear or, or watch this. I really appreciate you. Please let them know where they can uh, find your work or your content. I know I'll have you on uh, the podcast again in the near future, but in the meantime, where can they find you on Twitter or just wherever you're posting your content uh, so they can continue to hear about these gems in the transfer portal and the recruiting classes? Yeah, uh, real simple on Twitter. It's just John Garcia underscore JR or at SI All American via all social media platforms and the website is is just si.com slash college will get you there a little faster though all right longhorn nation thank you for tuning in to another episode of locked on longhorns your daily number one source for all things texas athletics part of the locked on podcast network your team every day thank you once again to john garcia director of football recruiting at sports illustrated peace <laughs>